There are four main items in paragraph one that you need to include. That's it. Like we're talking two to three sentences tops for this first paragraph. If it goes longer than that, it's trying too hard or it feels like it's overcompensating for a poor book blurb. So it's really important that you get to the specifics and stick to the specifics. Hey there, welcome back to Lip Match, a podcast made to help writers find the best literary agent and business partner for their writing career. In this episode, I'm back with another quick query tips episode while I book more great literary agents for the podcast. I'm Abigail K. Perry, a book coach and certified developmental editor who also worked as an editorial intern. I believe stories have an amazing ability to make ourselves and this world better. And I want to help you with the writing and submission process so that you stand the best shot at signing with your dream agent. Today's episode is particularly special because it's going to help you tackle the dreaded and absolutely necessary single page that every writer who wants to traditionally publish their manuscript needs to master. Of course, I'm talking about the query letter. There is an ideal three-paragraph format for query letters, but I've decided that I'm going to break down each part of the query letter in a three-part series of episodes so that you can concentrate on practicing each paragraph and have an opportunity of critique after each episode. To encourage you to do this, I'm going to give a free critique on this first paragraph to the first 10 writers who email me following this episode. I'll give instructions on how to email your first paragraph at the end of the episode. And for now, take out your notepads and get ready to jot down some notes as we talk through this first paragraph together. Here we go. All right, let's look at how to write a query letter. Before we even start to get into the episodes, I'd just like you to take a moment to reflect on how you're feeling about the query letter process. Are you really intimidated? Are you stressed about it? Are you frustrated because you've been writing it for several times and it's still not right? Do you feel really good about it? I hope that's the box that you're in. It's probably not if you're here listening to this episode, but my goal is that by the end of this episode and by the end of the three-part series, you will be feeling really good about it. If you are feeling overwhelmed or intimidated by the query letter process, you are not alone. Time and again, I've had writers tell me that they didn't realize how hard writing a query letter would be or that they didn't expect that writing a query letter would be as difficult as writing a manuscript. I don't want you to feel like you're a bad writer if if you're having trouble writing a query letter because writing a query letter is writing a sales pitch and writing a manuscript is completely different. How do you write the sales pitch? That's what I want to help you concentrate on. And it's actually pretty straightforward as to what literary agents prefer and what they're looking for. And the more that they read these query letters, the easier it is for them to tell right away if it's going to be something that they're attracted to and that they think that they can sell or if it's something that's not going to catch their attention. Patrick Ruthis, who's a New York Times bestselling author of Name of the Wind, even has been quoted to say, writing a good query letter has very little to do with writing a good novel. But if you can't write the one, it makes it really hard to get the other published. And that's why writing a query letter is so important. If you can't write a query letter and you want to get traditionally published, you're not going to probably succeed at catching a literary agent's attention at least not in the traditional sense of query. Carly Waters, who's an agent who's been on the show and also is a senior literary agent and vice president of PS Literary Agency, on her Instagram account, stared some statistics that she calculated once. She requests 3% to read their partials, 1% to read the fulls, 
and she reps less than 0.01% of things pitched to her. And she gets about 2000 pitches a year and signs only a handful of year. So yes, it absolutely speaks to the competitiveness of this industry, but also remember that there are those people in that percentage that get signed. And I'd like to help you get over the hump of the query letter so you can focus on perfecting the manuscript, which ultimately will be what decides if an agent signs you or not. The query letter isn't going to determine if the agent signed you. It's going to determine if they ask for more. We need to figure out how to get them to ask for more. To jump in in case you're unfamiliar with what a query letter is. A query letter is essentially a one-page pitch of your story. It's going to be addressed to a specific agent. If you haven't learned how to research literary agents, I recently in a quick query tips episode gave some suggestions, three methods on how to research literary agents. Happy to always talk about that more with you if you want to email me. But ultimately, once we find that agent, we're specifically querying them with something that they think that would be interested in based on their manuscript wish list, as long as other things that they might have expressed publicly about books and what is in a book that catches their fancy. But an agent's probably thinking about if this is a story that they'd represent and if it has saleable qualities, because at the end of the day, ultimately a query letter is a sales pitch and an agent needs to know, can I sell this? A query letter also is only needed if you wanted to do traditional publishing, although part of the query letter, the second paragraph, which includes some sort of back cover, is worth your time practicing because if you self-publish, you still need to learn how to write a back cover in order to sell your book. Before you even query, it's absolutely crucial that you have a finished manuscript. If you're doing nonfiction, you need to have a proposal, a full book proposal written out. I also recommend that you have a list of your dream agents as well as other agents documented in a spreadsheet that tracks all the important things that you need to know about them, like their agency or the submission guidelines. I'll have a future episode maybe on specifically what that spreadsheet might look like. And if you have an author website, I recommend it. It doesn't need to be overly fancy, but I do think it's nice that if you query an agent and they're interested, they might Google you. And if you pop up on a website, it kind of just puts a face to the author. Now let's move forward and actually talk about that first paragraph. I mentioned that there is a three preferred paragraph format for query letters. And the first one is how to hook the agent and establish a connection. If you listen to the very popular and amazing podcast, The Shit No One Tells You About Writing, you probably have heard Carly Waters many times, the hook, book, cook format. In other words, you want to hook the agent with paragraph one. You talk about the book. It's really the blurb. It's the pitch for your story. It's the most important paragraph in the query letter. And the third paragraph is about the cook or the author bio. We'll talk about each of these paragraphs in detail in each episode. But today we're going to talk about that first paragraph, how to hook the agent and establish a connection with them. There are four main items in paragraph one that you need to include. That's it. Like we're talking two to three sentences tops for this first paragraph. If it goes longer than that, it's trying too hard or it feels like it's overcompensating for a poor book blurb. So it's really important that you get to the specifics and stick to the specifics. The four main items in your paragraph are one, the title, and you want to include your title in all caps. Some authors italicize them. This isn't a reason to pass in a query letter, but when you put it in all caps, so it's probably that you've done your research and also it makes your title stand out more. So follow that quick format and it's already going to do something that catches an agent's attention slightly more than an italicized, even though that's the proper way to format a title in something that's not a query letter. The second thing that you need to include is your genre. And this is really important because the blurb needs to reflect what the genre is. And when I talk about genre in this sense, I'm talking about commercial genres. 
if you've listened to any first chapter episodes on Lit Match, specifically the Harry Potter episodes where I analyzed the first chapters of the Harry Potter books with Savannah Gilbo, you'll know that Savannah and I often separate what we believe is a content genre, something that can speak to conventions and obligatory moments, a certain type of story versus a commercial genre, which is a marketing tool. If you were to go into a bookstore and you walk in and you see fiction or you see mystery, or maybe you're writing upmarket book club or women's fiction, maybe you're writing a historical fiction. All these are types of commercial genres. And that is what you would include in this first paragraph. You also, as the third thing, would include the word count. And this is really important. Don't skip the word count because there is an ideal word count for a specific genre. If you don't know what the ideal word count is for your genre, that would be worth some research before you query an agent, because if you're really off on your word count, it's likely that something is either lacking substance if you're under the word count or you have way too much if it's above the word count. The word count also is important because when an agent's trying to sell to an editor, if it's not in that ideal word count, it's going to be much more difficult to sell. And remember, at the end of the day, traditional publishing is a business. So we need to be making sure that while our stories are these unique stories, they also need to be something that can be sold to a reader and satisfy a reader. As a little bonus, I've heard that the sweet spot number is 90,000 words. So usually anywhere between 80 to 90,000 words is a really good word count for an adult fiction novel, but that's going to vary. MG and YA are less words. Fantasy, historical fiction sometimes has a little bit more wiggle room for more words. Maybe we'll do a future episode on word count, but take a moment and research that before you send it off if you're unsure what your word count generally should be. And finally, the fourth main item in paragraph one are comps or comparable titles. And comparable titles are really important in order to hook an agent. I recommend one to two comps, and at least one of those needs to be a contemporary title which means that it's been published within the last five years. Two additional nice things to add or to note are that when you address the agent, you're never ever going to address it to whom it may concern because that is generalized. You're not going to address it to an agency that's generalized. It needs to be addressed to a specific agent because this agent is potentially going to be the business partner that you work with for your writing career. And it needs to be a specific reason why you queried them and not just taking a shot at the agency as a whole. That doesn't mean that agents within the agency might not share your pitch with someone else if maybe they filled their quota for that genre and they think someone else within their agency might be interested in it, but you should be addressing really a specific agent. The other thing that I like to note, and I think is a nice additive that I've seen in queries, is when there's a quick, very quick, very brief connection piece, or I like to say how you personalize the query letter. And you don't need to overthink this. It really can be embedded in how you're addressing them. I'll give an example of how to do that later. But basically, it just shows that you've done your research on the specific literary agent, again, speaking to querying someone specific instead of generalized as an agency. And that's going to stand out. Going back to Carly Waters, the amazing Carly Waters, she has included somewhere along her blog or her Instagram once upon a time examples for paragraph one opening line. I'd like to share a couple of these with you today. The first says, after reading and loving, and then you'd put in all caps, the book that was represented by the agent that you're querying, I am submitting your book title, all caps for your review. That's one sentence. Another example. I noticed on your manuscript wish list 
that you are looking for this element in a book, say female relationships or fantasy books by an underrepresented author or something like that. I am submitting and then your book title in all caps. A third example, I am seeking representation for my novel, put your book title in all caps, a work of this genre complete at this many words. You could also include in that third example, this book is for readers of, and then you would include the comp in all caps, client book title here. The fourth example, I enjoyed your interview with so-and-so, and I'm eager to present you my query for your book title in all caps. You can see they're very specific. They're straightforward. They're including all those four elements. And it's just really a sentence. So that gives you one more sentence, maybe to have that connection piece. The fourth example in here included that connection piece with I enjoyed your interview. And ultimately, it's getting right to the point. Don't overthink it. Get the details in there. Now I'd like to talk really quick before we go into some examples about what makes a great comp, because I've mentioned that comps are important and you need to have comps in order to hook your story. But here's the trick. Bad comps are worse than no comps. Okay, I'll let that sit in. Bad comps are worse than no comps. If you have a bad comp, don't put it in. It will basically say that you don't know your story very well and you want to include comps that are catch an agent's attention and be the reason that they ask for more pages, not the other way around. Here are four elements that make great comps and maybe I'll go more in detail on this in a future episode, but here's at least enough to help you with some research. The first is, was the title at least published in the last one to three or one to five years? That's that contemporary novel piece. One of your examples, if you have two examples, maybe one of them is a classic or a TV show, but one of them has to at least be something that was more recent within that last five years. The second thing, was it published by one of the big five publishing houses? And when I worked as an editorial intern and I was doing research on comps, that was something that I was instructed to do. You, especially if you're a debut author, you want to be able to pitch something to the big five houses. And the big five houses include HarperCollins, Penguin Random House, Hachette, Simon & Schuster, and Macmillan, if you're unfamiliar with what they are. Ultimately, what you want to do, especially like say you're going to look for a book in your bookstore and you open up, where is it copyrighted? If you go on Amazon, you can look up actually who the publisher is. That means that it might be an imprint that is an imprint of one of those big five houses, but you want to research to make sure that it is one of those big five houses or at least a well-known indie, okay? The third thing that you want to think about with comps is how did it perform in sales? Because if it didn't perform well in sales, it's probably not a good comp to use. It didn't show that it was successful in its genre, and that's not something that you would want to replicate. The fourth thing is, is it ubiquitous? Meaning that has it become more than a book? Harry Potter, Hunger Games, things like that. You don't want to use those as comps. They are really are its own thing. Like Harry Potter is really a franchise now. You don't want to use this as comps, even if it might have elements of those stories. The fifth thing is just a little bonus. Is there one aspect of this comp that is clear in the back cover and or story that is similar to yours? In other words, if you were to pitch this comp and you very clearly had in mind why it was similar to your book and the agent goes to read your manuscript, if it doesn't satisfy the type of writing, whatever it is that would be significant about that comp that would stand out to the agent, it might disappoint instead of satisfy. So make sure that when you're using those comps that it is truly something that can fulfill the expectations of the person that you've pitched it to and not disappoint them. As a sidebar, four to five things to think about when you're picking your comps for your pitch. All right, as a wrap up, let's use an example of how to pitch comps and queries. 
And this is just an example. You literally can follow this or mess around with it based on the notes that we talked today, as long as you're making sure that you get those four key elements in the first paragraph of your query letter. Here's my example. And I know that I'm saying this in a podcast and I'll do my best to translate this over audio. Let's take a few steps backward to explain that connection piece that I said. Basically, the connection piece that I refer to means that you've done research on the literary agent, which means that you can include somewhere that you found them that speaks to more than just a manuscript wish list. Maybe you found them on this podcast and you went and say, hey, I really enjoyed your interview on LitMatch, something like that. If you can pull out that little extra piece of research, you can say that you noticed on their manuscript wish list that they like something and that can be a connection piece too. That's absolutely research. But I like to see if you can go a little more personalized that shows that you're thorough in your research and you intentionally queried them because you thought that they would make a good match. It's not that it's going to make or break your first paragraph, but I like to include it if you have it. Here is an example. Dear agent's name. Dear Carly Waters. Dear Mr. Smith. Dear Ms. Lanetti. Something like that. Comma. I saw on Twitter that you love, and then in brackets I just said, something they've shared publicly. They love mother-to-daughter relationships, or they love time travel, or maybe they've spoken about something else that made you feel like they would be the best business partner for you. I saw on Twitter that you love something they've shared publicly and think you'd enjoy my book and then your book title in all caps. End of sentence. Second sentence. It is a word count and genre. We'll say 90,000 word upmarket book club fiction. And then if you want to include like a little bit of a short log line, you could do that. Or you could say that would entertain readers of and then include two comps. Where'd you go? Bernadette meets second title of the same genre. Or that would entertain readers of Schitt's Creek meets and then a contemporary book title. And that's the end of the first paragraph. So what did I get in there? I got the title of my book. I got the word count in genre and I got the two comps. I also included as a connection piece and maybe a short log line. Of course, I've just included them in brackets to explain what you're going to do with that. But it gives you an idea of what that first paragraph might look like and how you set it up. The facts speak to the agent's taste and if they can sell it. And that's something that is going to get them to read further down into the book blurb. Now I'd like to invite you to spend five to 10 minutes to write that first paragraph. And I mentioned previously that if you would like to send it to me, I will actually give a free critique to the first 10 writers who email me following this episode. If you're interested in that, what you're going to do is you're going to email me at abigailkperry at gmail.com. And in the subject title, you're going to put quick query tips, paragraph one. And then all you're going to do is basically just say, hey, Abigail, and then submit your first paragraph. And to the first 10 writers only, I will give a free critique back. I hope it encourages you to practice that first paragraph and help you get over that hump of intimidation on the query letter process. That's all I have for this quick query tips episode today. So thank you so much for joining me for this conversation on LitMatch. I hope that it helps you figure out how to write that first paragraph. And if you'd like to learn more about how to write that first paragraph, I have included notes in the show notes. If you're enjoying LitMatch or have any suggestions or requests for it, I'd absolutely love to hear from you. I do take into consideration any feedback that is sent to me in order to make this show better for you and other writers who are tackling the submission process. To reiterate, you can email me at abigailkperry at gmail.com. I will do my best to answer you. I'd also like to thank everyone who has rated and reviewed the show. It is with your support that I'm able to reach more writers who are either writing a manuscript or querying their manuscripts. 
I really believe that stories have this amazing ability to make people and the world better. And I absolutely would love to help you with that process. If you haven't rated or reviewed the show and are enjoying it, I'd really appreciate you take the time to do that. It means the world to me. Thank you. Thank you so much. Until next time, happy writing. Keep persevering if you're querying. Keep persevering if you're writing. You can find the best literary agent and business partner for you. And I can't wait to cheer you on when I hear about who you've signed with and celebrate your book when it comes out. 